Good morning. Oh, I think you're on mute. <laughs> there we go. Okay, I'm perfect. Used to, I'm used to it with my students where I'm normally in the room and then they're muted. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I'm hosting. I gotta unmute myself. <laughs> yeah, you get to try a new role today. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down with that for sure. How are you? I'm good in yourself. I'm doing well. It's good to meet you um, virtually because um, yes. we met via email. So it's cool to get to meet you. Um, yeah, through Zoom. Yeah, the new way of meeting people. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let me know how the quality of sound is, if you can hear me okay. Um, I have my um, headset, if anything, if I need to put it on, I can put it on. But if you think it's okay, then I'll just stick to this. Um, yeah, so you, right now yeah. it sounds good to go. Um, I hope their internet is good because sometimes <laughs> Wi-Fi gets spotty. Yeah, and I'll give you a bit of a disclaimer. I'm living essentially in a construction zone, so if it ever gets really loud, just just let me know. There's not much I can do about it, but like, <laughs> um, yeah, just I can mute myself when you're talking if I end up having trucks and such in the background. So yeah, okay, and then. Yeah. Um, is this going to be edited after then or how is this uh, done? Like, tell me a little bit more before we get like all up into the reality and the time that's going to yeah. take and all that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're a second person that we're interviewing. So okay. if there's issues and little bumps, sorry about that. Um, but so essentially I, as you probably saw the like little disclaimer came up that it's being recorded. Um, and so I'm not super tech savvy. And so for the most part, I will edit it as in cutting this first sort of intro, um, uh, okay. and starting like when the interview starts, okay. um, if something comes up during the middle, like, I don't know if the building beside me does fall down in the construction, <laughs> um, like, I will edit it there. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as like little things, um, yeah. that's past. My okay. um, cool. And so our YouTube, we're going to be posting on YouTube and then on Instagram TV. Um, okay. Our Instagram is already up, but we've never done YouTube before. And so that is up and coming. And so it probably will be about a two to three week delay before it got posted. Um, we'd also okay. like send you an email with the link and all of that uh, so that Yay. you can watch it and so that you can share with all your fans um, yes. yes my many fans obviously <laughs> uh, right uh, i'll put it on my linkedin <laughs> perfect <laughs> um yeah. and yeah so it's not a super get we are a school club and so yeah. with that in mind it's not a super intense um process or team or posting process um yeah and so that's kind of the general posting. Um, the last interview we did was about 45 minutes um, okay. from beginning to end. Uh, okay. We don't really have a strict time we need to fill. We don't have any topics we need to cover. It's more of just like talking to you, getting to know you, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, outside of that, if you have any other questions, I can try my best <laughs> to answer. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm open to it. How many people are you interviewing? So right now we have five lined up as our like, see how it goes, get 
um, the word out sort of thing. And then we are hoping to sort of just continue this um, posting once a month or every two weeks, sort of based off of the number of people we end up finding. Um, because we definitely, this is the easiest way to connect with other people at the moment. <laughs> and lots Absolutely. of our events have gone down. So this is sort of our way of, of keeping connected to the community and Absolutely. All that good stuff. So um, I was going to ask, uh, ask you, are you primarily just focusing on people that are in the um, in BC or are you open to people outside of BC as well? So we have started with just BC, um, okay. but if it goes well, uh, we'd like to do other provinces because obviously we're an international school as well and yes. definitely a cross national school. Um, and so lots of people do end up obviously leaving Victoria to go back to home or to wherever their job takes them. So it'd be nice to have more places covered um, than just BC, but for the moment, we're just BC. Okay, well, um, if you all are getting to that point where you're looking at expanding outside of BC, um, one of my contacts on LinkedIn that I connected with um, about oh, uh, almost a year ago, I think it was like around January or so, she was doing some work um, in Ontario, Ontario, Ottawa, back east, right. um, and she did, she did a really cool project, um, it's a UniLearn project, um, well, well, that's their nonprofit, and um, I believe it's nonprofit. Anyhow, they did a series of um, clips um, on YouTube, which was to cover Black History Month, and um, from a Canadian perspective. So it was really well done. And then she just posted something where she's got a document she compiled, which is to get more um, people of color involved in politics. And so she created a, a document that I thought was like, okay, like a, I didn't get a chance to go through it all the way, right. but I could um, share that with you if you're interested. She might be um, an interesting person to connect with. She's, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Seems like she's doing some, some good stuff um, back East and stuff like that. So her name is Anne and I can shoot you um, um, something. Are you on LinkedIn? Um, like yes <laughs> you don't use it. yeah <laughs> i know like my students i'm like i had that conversation with my sister yesterday i was like are you on LinkedIn? and she's like well i'm like she's like hey, no, you keep telling me I, like, I know and i know it's so useful and i just i, I know it's just one more thing it's one more thing i know um but you know you can connect it to your other platforms as well right so yeah um, which now, um, I'll, I'll shoot you her information um, and then you can uh, you can see if she's someone for the future um, and if you're looking for more people I can also um, help to put a call out within our community um, to see if there's um, some more folks who might be interested so yeah I really appreciate that say the word when you're ready no pressure I know you're <laughs> like let me just get down these five and <laughs> we can go <laughs> Well, either way, I do appreciate it. Like, so far, they're going great. One for five. So yeah, okay. that's, that's a bonus. Yeah, we're at 100% success rate so far. So You're killing it. Yeah, like, 
essentially podcast star. Match, no big deal. Just yeah, just let her know. Me, Joe Rogan. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so uh, whenever you're ready, I think we've got a little preamble going there, which is good. Yeah. yeah. I will start um, sort of by introducing myself. Uh, so my name is Madeline, as you know. Um, so I'm actually in fourth year at UVic um, and I'm in bio, which is a little bit off of what um, our club stands for, but I sort of ended up in the club through, I did model United Nations um, for the first little bit of my degree and then met some people who are in poli sci and who are connected to this club and then here I am. Um, but I'm originally from Calgary, so I'm an island transplant at the moment, but uh, definitely enjoying being out on the island. Um, but yeah, so that's a bit of my background. And then before we sort of get going, I am going to just do a quick territorial acknowledgement. Um, so we just want to acknowledge with respect that we live upon the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanich people's territory, and that their vital relationships with the land continue to this day. Um, and so we just wanted to start all of our interviews off with that. Um, and then just a little bit about Elect Her, which I know I kind of sent in the email, but a little run through is we're a student club that hopes to encourage young women to go into positions of power, um, specifically politics, but um, sort of any leadership role across the board, um, as well as other marginalized genders. And so we're trying to do that through engagement, through telling stories, and just trying to build the confidence of these young women so that they see themselves in these positions of, of leadership. And so that is sort of me and us and what we're doing. And so the speaker series sort of came about uh, to share the stories of people who are currently in roles that are, are leadership and politically based. Um, and so we're very happy to have you here with us today. Um, and so, yeah, I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself and sort of what you do and, and all of that. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. So, um, I was born and raised in the greater Vancouver area slash Fraser Valley. And um, I work full time as an instructor in one of the colleges out here. When I'm not working and teaching full time, I enjoy volunteering primarily with the National Congress of Black Women Foundation. And when I'm not volunteering, I'm dabbling in other little fun side projects um, <laughs> along the way. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I enjoy um, walking in nature um, or traveling when we're able to. <laughs> um, and, and one of the things I'm most passionate about is really helping to empower people in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dreaming about traveling now. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of a, a lot of traveling to enjoy our local um, communities, though, right? So I yeah, think that's yeah. one of the beautiful things because we are in beautiful British Columbia out here. So there's so much to see and do and just enjoy within our own community, right? So yeah, it's yeah. definitely a new appreciation now that a little bit forced, a little bit <laughs> forced, <laughs> but, but appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we'll kind of get into the questions. We just have a sort of semi-structured, but if we miss any, add any, that's all great. Um, so what first sparked your interest in community work and activism? And then how did you end up sort of with the National Congress of Black Women Foundation? Okay. So 
I think that given that my mom has always been someone who um, volunteered, she volunteered as a young child growing up with the Red Cross. And so she really imparted that into our lives as children growing up. We volunteered with like the Western Canada Summer Games. I was a candy striper in high school. So we, we, we understood the value of community involvement. In addition to that, my mom has always been a big advocate for us um, as children growing up out here, um, especially within the school system when we found that there were challenges um, or some systemic racism going on. She was always there. We could talk to her and she was, and she didn't hesitate to go and speak to whoever she needed to um, within administration. So seeing that um, as a child growing up, I, I grew to appreciate it for sure. And then as an adult, you know, it was, it was just as part of me, it's part of my value system. So that's, that's why I, I think I lean towards getting involved in the community. Even when I was um, away for school, I was still volunteering in, in different capacities. And then specifically with the National Congress of Black Women Foundation, for me, um, they were, the, the Congress was very instrumental for me as a child growing up because I grew up out here and the Congress has been around for over 35 years. So they used to host summer camps for kids and, and uh, that was a great way to bring community together and learn a little bit about histories of um, African histories, Caribbean histories, and and again, just to connect with other young youth people um, within the community that we wouldn't ordinarily get to connect with because um, a lot of us lived throughout and all over the greater Vancouver area. So that's kind of how I was introduced to the Congress and I knew about them and as an adult I wanted to give back to the community and I reflected on the role that the Congress played in my life and that's why I decided you know what this is um, an organization that I wanted to uh, start working with so yeah. And for those who end up listening uh, who don't really know what the Congress does do you mind giving just like a quick rundown little synopsis? Absolutely. So the National Congress of Black Women Foundation primarily works on education and um, supporting Black women and their families in the community. So we've done things such as um, helping uh, new immigrants um, or refugees with their immigration documents if they're not, they're not sure how to fill it out or where to go, we're there to support them. Housing, food insecurities, um, those are some of our main things. We do a lot of education as well. So um, about, I would say around 2005 or so when I returned to Canada um, and I did some work with the Congress, they were doing a lot of AIDS education um, because there was uh, funding through the government to do some of that. So they did a lot of outreach um, within the community. Um, some other stuff that we do would be providing support for families with respect to just building community. So we do events such as like a family day event where we bring, um, we have people come together and the kids can meet each other. We have entertainment and again, building community. Um, we do an annual legacy dinner to honor the uh, contributions that our community members make. So those are some of the things that we do. Um, and it's, it's very much a grassroots organization that's done some great things. One of the other, like one of, 
big highlights for the Congress is that we were the organization that really pushed to promote um, the recognition of Rosemary Brown in the community. So we had um, petitions for the Rosemary Brown stamp. Um, so that's a big thing that the Congress did many years ago. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. Um, okay, thank you. <laughs> that was a good. Um, so as you kind of talked about already, like how you got into charity work and all of that, but was there a moment or sort of like point in your life when you were like, yes, this is sort of the charity or work that I kind of want to do? Um, Absolutely. So as I mentioned, the Congress was a part of my life as a child. And then when I graduated university um, in the U.S. and came back here, uh, back back home, um, there was an opportunity for me to do some contract work with the Congress. It was for a book, and I was I was I was excited. Absolutely, <laughs> it gave me an opportunity to connect with so many of our community members that I had, you know, been disconnected from because I was away, and that was amazing. That was wonderful. I loved it. Um, so that was around 2006 or so. Um, fast forward, life happened, and then in uh 2018 or so end of 2017 2018 a friend of mine who's who's also been involved with the congress um told me that they were recruiting and she's like i know you're in grad school i don't know if you'll have time and i said absolutely without a doubt 100 <laughs> percent." because again i knew the importance that the Congress played in my life as a child growing up. So I definitely didn't even hesitate to get back and get involved um, knowing that they were recruiting and they needed some support. I was, I said, yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And for someone who did want to get a bit more involved, not necessarily directly in the Congress, but just sort of in uh, social justice work and charitable, charitable work, uh, what would you sort of tell them? What kind of advice would you give? Absolutely. I would say find out what you're truly passionate about and then see if there's an organization or a nonprofit that's already doing that work and find out how can you get involved. Can you volunteer with the organization? Um, are there um, paid positions? Just again, like I think that a lot of nonprofits, um, there are so many opportunities especially if they're some of the grassroots organizations. So they usually welcome people who want to come out. It may not even necessarily be on a consistent basis, but it might be just be for events because that's one of the things where whenever we host events, we're, we're usually looking for volunteers to come out for the day um, to help support us to make that event run smoothly. So it may not even be like a consistent, like every week you're, you're you're working with the nonprofit it might just be on an events basis and and it gives you some an opportunity to see the workings of that organization which i think is really important yeah for sure and then um what advice would you give to a young woman or a person of a marginalized gender uh who does want to work in the non-for-profit sector but might like struggle to kind of see themselves in that role kind of the confidence to put themselves out there to take a a position that might ne not necessarily have the biggest salary or the most security, that sort of thing. Um, do you have any? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So I guess kind of going back to my, my uh, work as my full-time work is, is in employment counseling related work. So I would tell 
the person, the same thing I tell my students, which is to do an informational interview. Speak to someone who's in that sector. Speak to several people um, within the nonprofit world, within all different areas of nonprofit to find out what was their journey? What was their path? How did they get to where they are? What are some of the challenges? What do they love about it? Um, because most people are, are actually really excited to chat about it. It might be, I mean, I know that we've got COVID going on right now. So outside of COVID, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, um, but one of the things is, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of going into their office space or, um, you know, while they're doing what they're doing, if you can sit there and have a conversation so that they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have to stop what they're doing and they can have a conversation with you because oftentimes in nonprofit people are, they're so busy, um, it's hard to find that time. Yet at the same time, most people are more than happy to share their experiences with others, especially um, to share the great things that the nonprofit organizations are doing. So that would be my biggest piece of advice is go out there, do an informational interview um, with people, several people in it so that they can get a better understanding and they can make an educated and informed decision about what it's like. And sorry, I actually didn't know that uh, you did education or career counseling as well. How did you end up in that role? Well, um, my life path and journey has been kind of <laughs> all over the place. Um, I would say that um, long story short, I, in 2008, when the economy tanked, I went um, and through some um, career uh, exploration um, programs. And in that, I uh, came out pretty high with um, teaching and also corporate training. And my wonderful uh, employment or case manager at the time, she said, well, one of the ways that you can get into corporate training would potentially be look at career practitioning because that will allow you to increase your facilitation skills. And um, with those strengthened facilitation skills, you could potentially look at um, branching into corporate training. And I said, oh, that's great. So that's how I kind of stumbled upon it. And it's a wonderful fit for me because I absolutely love encouraging and inspiring people to um, just navigate through their career journey and their life journey. Yeah, being in a university, being a university student, I very much appreciate career <laughs> counseling. So, <laughs> awesome. I love it. Definitely is a, a interesting path to try to find out what you're going to do. It's scary. It's it's scary sometimes because I think out here there are so many options, and I think um, for kids that are in elementary school, they don't even know what career opportunities are going to be available, you know, by the time they are in university. They don't know because technology is changing. There are things that we don't even know yet, right? So, um, yeah, there's a lot. That's why, again, informational interviews are great because if you're going into an emerging um, profession or a profession that's or a sector that's really about to blow up, then, you know, you talk to family members and friends who might know other people that are in that industry and you can get a better idea of what career opportunities are available in the future, too. Yeah, I know. I was at a bookstore yesterday and there was a kids like ABC careers book and it had just come out. And it was like, G is for game developer. And I was like, 
oh, I <laughs> guess that, yes, now that is definitely like for kids, especially that age, that's yeah. a career. And I was like, right, that, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Mind blowing to me. Because I, I, don't even, I, yeah. I don't know what G would have stood for before. I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I was shocked and it was great. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. so what do you think was kind of like the biggest obstacle that you faced um, either getting into non-for-profit or into uh, your teaching career or any sort of whichever role you'd like to choose, um, but sort of, and then how did you sort of overcome or adapt to that obstacle? Sure. I think that being a Black woman in higher ed has definitely, um, there have been some obstacles in there out here, be, in particular because there's not a high representation representation of Black people um, within higher ed. So um, there's not always the support and there's definitely systemic racism out there. So as someone who's navigating through the system, it can be um, frustrating, it can be overwhelming, it could be exhausting. Um, and so I think that the work that I do with the National Congress of Black Women, it really helps me to build community um, so that I can have additional support as I'm navigating through my nine to five career. And it also allows me to really just share in some of the accomplishments that people are doing and highlight them, right? So although there are some challenges in my regular job, I also have an opportunity to, again, nourish and build myself through the community that's, that's here um, with Congress. Yeah. yeah. And then what do you think was kind of like your biggest learning opportunity or learning curve um, on that sort of note? Yeah. So I would say it's so important to learn the lay of the land first, wherever you are. So sit back a little bit, listen to others, ask questions um, before you go and make these grand suggestions. I think, uh, I think back to myself when I first graduated university and I had um, so many ideas of what I wanted to do. And those are great. It's important to understand the history though of, of an organization, why they do what they do, um, because a lot of times there's so much historical knowledge that we need to consider. So that's why it's, it, it really is important to take some time and speak to all different types of people within the organization. Don't just speak to people that are directly in your team. So I, I definitely experienced that when I was um, at this higher ed institution in particular. I had a colleague who was very close to retiring and we would spend some time just chatting and you know so because she had so much institutional knowledge and it was great right we would just sit there and she'd tell me some of the stories and i loved it right um and and now that she's retired i was able to learn some of that right so um i think it's it's so important to just spend some time understand what's happening and why they do what they do before the grandiose suggestions come out right yeah and sort of following off of that what would you say is like your why um like why i do what i do yeah i think that i do what i do um i think that it's my calling that's it 
um, I think that this is my calling. I'm, I'm living in my purpose. Um, it's the work that I do is fun. Um, I love it. I wouldn't change the work that I do per se. I think that there's more work I can do. Um, so when it comes to helping people within the community and the broader community, um, helping humanity, that's, that's, I think, who I am in my core essence. I, it, it, you know, as we're speaking, one of the things I just, um, that just came up in my mind is I remember when I was in elementary school, I was probably maybe in about 10 years old or so. And they were giving out the little awards that they give out to kids, you know. <laughs> and I remember I received a, an, a humanitarian award. You know, I think that, you know, at, at that age, but yeah, whoever the teachers, whoever they, you know, whoever nominated me for it, they, they saw something in me. And I, you know, I don't really think about it because I'm somebody who kind of just focuses on the future and not really reflects on my past accomplishments. But I've definitely, um, I think I've lived up to that. And then I, I think of myself as um, an optimistic person. So again, I've been a part of something like an optimist club, I think in, right. in, in elementary school or something like that. Right? <laughs> So like these little things, I think that that just really helped to feed who I am, and it just, you know, the snowball happened. So yeah. I think that kind of taps into the why. Yeah, it's sort of like always been who you were. There's just like nothing. There's no other. <laughs> that's just who you are, which is. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, so far it seems like it's going great. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how do you think you're sort of like? lived experiences sort of talking about the past and all of that um, and identity have allowed you to kind of help the congress and even uh in your other other work uh helped bring sort of new perspectives had them develop in newer increased kind of ways for sure so again being someone who was born and raised in this area as um, a young black girl and then as a black woman it gave me quite a bit of appreciation and um, because I've met a lot of people who were not born and raised here. So I have, I have this historical experience that not so many people have. Um, some of the things that I think about growing up here that have definitely made my experience unique is my parents are originally from the Caribbean. So I have a bit of that um, identity. And um, that one of the things that they encouraged was the involvement within the Trinidad and Tobago Cultural Society. So I used to play steel drums as a child. That's part of my identity. So going around to different um, events and performing, um, that has helped to shape my identity. Also growing up here, um, there was something called the Junior Black Achievement Awards. And I used to participate in that as a child. So again, that helped create uh, a sense of community and helped to build confidence in who I was as a young girl and, and then now as an adult, I definitely have that confidence. Some of those things are the things that helped to, to shape me. And then I think making a decision to do my undergraduate degree in the US, um, starting off at a community college was, was huge for me because I had that opportunity to have more individualized um, support from instructors, which I really, I needed as a learner. Um, 
I also had um, tried out other institutions that were larger and they were just too overwhelming for my learning style. So I really enjoyed being in a community college. And then from there, I was able to um, uh, tra um, transfer to a four-year college, which was um, an HBCU, historically black college university. And so that experience in itself, being a black woman from Canada, then moving to the US as an international student, <laughs> then going to an HBCU, that was huge. It was like so many different layers of shaping and molding who I am, right? Um, because I had never been in an environment, a learning environment in particular, where I was not othered. Right. I was now just, just the regular student like everyone else. It was no big deal. You know, I wasn't the other, right? Um, so that definitely helped um, to shape and mold who I am. And bringing those, uh, living through those experiences allowed me to just bring some of that to where I am now with my work. Um, I've been able to see and volunteer and learn in it in environments where I've seen other Black professionals at their top of their game, CEOs, chatting with them, learning about them. I also interned at radio stations that were black owned, like that kind of environment was really um, impactful for me because I've seen it exist. And then being here, coming back home to Canada, in particular within um, the, the Vancouver area, you know, I see that there's still quite a bit of work that needs to be done. And so I think that's part of the reason why I'm so fired up and so passionate about working with the Congress and then also within my institution, I work to help bring awareness um, and, and, and see how we can partner up and create synergies to create a more inclusive and belonging environment for all students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sort of in that education realm, um, what would you suggest to sort of create more diverse, more representative uh, sort of learning environments? What would you say are like some good first steps? So yeah, I was actually having a conversation with a few other instructors yesterday. And I think um, first we need to ensure that the institutions are, are actually hiring more diverse instructors in, and employees, right? Across faculty, staff, everyone. Um, are they recruiting more students that are coming from diverse backgrounds? Um, and not just racially diverse, you know, we're thinking about from an intersectional lens. Uh, that being said, we also wanna make sure that those that are currently teaching that are in the institutions, that we are educating them on how to navigate through teaching diverse students, racially diverse and just all the different diversities out there. Yeah. Um, because one of the challenges is if you bring in a diverse demographic and you haven't educated the instructors on how to navigate through that landscape, then there often is um, some pushback because there's fear of the unknown. So the institutions really need to support everyone, not just the students, but also the employees. So if everyone is supported, it makes it a lot easier. And the other thing is building up the resources um, to support both employees and students. So um, make, making sure that there are anti-racism policies in place. So when students face any kind of discrimination, they know where to go. And also when employees face discrimination, they know where to go so that they can feel supported. 
we want to also make sure that the curriculums are um, are more inclusive. So we are creating uh, curriculums that don't just use one type of example, but have a more intercultural lens or, or approach to teaching. So that's one of the things that I'm very conscious of when I am in the classroom. I think about how can I embed this example or that example, even from images or um, authors or, you know, people that we're pulling in when we're thinking about um, resources for uh, maybe videos or clips or anything like that. How do we, how do we make sure that we're, we're actually thinking about the different um, pe people that are sitting in our classrooms, right? So does that help answer? Yeah, sorry, I know that kind of, I threw that question in, <laughs> but you answered it beautifully. <laughs> that was more for my interest then. <laughs> well, yours and others, right? People want yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah sure. for sure. And I definitely think it's, it can be an overwhelming start for a lot of people. And so having sort of steps or, or first baby steps um, yeah. are definitely nice to have laid out. Um, and you obviously mentioned an intersectional lens. And for our club, that is a very big part of, of what we want to do and what we want to see uh, sort of encouraged. And so how have you in the Congress applied an intersectional lens to sort of the work that you do? Obviously, it is a niche sort of foundation, um, but because it is, obviously, everything is intersectional. There's a lot yeah. more to everyone's identity. So just sort of how Absolutely. has that filtered into what you guys do and what you do as an individual? For sure. So we primarily work to support Black women and female identifying individuals and their families. Um, we work with people of all ages. Um, all citizenships, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic classes, um, and we also partner with other organizations, groups, um, institutions to host events that are open to all people, right? So for example, if you come to our family day event, the children that attend there and the parents are of all different racial backgrounds, and again, there's children, there's multiple generations, right? It's an intergenerational kind of event. Um, and then people with different abilities, um, our building is located in a fairly accessible location. So we're right off the SkyTrain line. So um, that's awesome. And then our building has elevators and stuff like that. So we try to keep it as accessible as um, possible. And then the events that we host, um, we try to keep them um, as financially accessible as possible. So we have events that are by donation um, or lower cost. And then we have some higher end um, events as well, like our legacy dinner, dinners, um, more of a higher end event. But outside of that, again, we've got a lot of things that are free for kids um, so that we can, again, reach people from all different um, levels of where they are in life. Yeah, and then um, how would you, or how have you worked to sort of address um, any sort of gendered or disabled equity or inequities? that your community members, so uh, uh, Black women, uh, may experience? Um, again, I think, I think when it comes to ability, we, we try to make sure that our events are um, hosted at accessible places. Um, and even like things like signage, um, if people let us know in advance that they need help with things, we can make sure that one of our volunteers is there to assist that person, whether it be seating or whatever um, for that. Um, and then for the gendered um, question, I think again, um, that's an area that we're still 
developing. Um, again, we, when we have events, it's open to anyone and everything. Um, so that's, that's very inclusive. Um, and I think when I think of um, some of the, we've actually partnered up with another institution to um, honor, there's a Rosemary Brown Award. And from what I understand in, in the past, there's been a recipient who um, was someone who was female identifying um, and the award typically will go to women or female identifying. So again, I think that's another way that we are also being inclusive um, within the Congress. Cause that's something that we support. We, we partner up with that institution to honor that award. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and so, based off of sort of like what you've mentioned and um, sort of just the work that you've done, uh, you emphasize sort of like value-based leadership and value-based work. Um, so what would you consider your values to be? I know we've kind of covered it, but uh, using yeah, just I, adjectives. <laughs> well, I got, I got a lot of values, so I'll tell you some of them. I made some notes. I think that community development um, is definitely part of my value system, as well as education, wellness, healthy living, um, documenting our history, uh, supporting families, authenticity, and then um, lending my voice to those who don't necessarily, or don't have a voice to speak up, and then um, definitely challenging the status quo. Those would be some of my values. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're great values. <laughs> and so how do you ensure that you're kind of staying true to those values as you go through your work? I think that um, a lot of it has to do with keeping certain people in my circle, people who truly know who I am. Um, and authenticity is a big thing for me. So um, between family and um, a tight knit group of uh, friends, that's, that's huge because they can call me on, um, on ways if I if they see that I'm like if I'm if I'm kind of wavering at all and I can talk to them they say well Shell you know this is what's going on or have you considered that that's um, really big for me having that support system in my life where they truly know who I am they've known me for years and they um, they can they can call me on things if if my values are in question right that's great yeah for sure. Um, and so sort of obviously you have a great support system, so that's amazing. <laughs> and so I presume that kind of factors into it, but how do you avoid becoming overwhelmed by sort of the vast amount of work that still needs to be done, um, across the board for equality? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that over the last few months during this, um, the unrest that's happening in our world, we are constantly reminded that this is not a sprint, this is a marathon. And sadly, I don't think that this is going to be solved within my lifetime. <laughs> so we really need to pace ourselves because we need to be around for the long haul. And, you know, it can get overwhelming. It can be, become just exhausting. It can be draining. So that's where it's important to recognize how we're feeling and take a break, take a pause, and it's okay to do that. And you should do that so that you can stay healthy and continue, um, continue this journey because it really is a long 
journey. There's lots to be done and it will, it will take, a, I think, a few lifetimes. Uh, yeah. And, generation. <laughs> yeah, which you're doing probably more than you need to in your, in your time. So that's, you're speeding it along a little. <laughs> um, yeah. And so mentioning uh, the pandemic, actually, uh, one of the questions that we've been asking everybody or just out of interest, uh, is how do you think the pandemic um, has affected women in leadership and women in general? Um, and then how do you think that's going to shape women's careers sort of going forward? For sure. So I think that the pandemic has had some positive and negative <laughs> impacts <laughs> to women, for sure. So I'll start with um, kind of the negative, then I'll go into the positive, and then we'll talk about the future. Um, as far as some of the negative um, sides to the pandemic is, well, we know that many women have had an increased burden in childcare issues. And then if they're working from home during the pandemic, while they're juggling their at-home duties, maybe parenting and then at-home schooling, that's increased pressure and stress. Um, women make up a large population uh, for the frontline workers when we think about nurses and um, uh, um, um, care aides that, that are working long-term facilities. That's another thing that we need to consider. We also recognize that there are many women and children that are isolating at home and who also face uh, daily abuse or violence. So that's going to impact um, them and their children. Some of the positive things um, or, or, or um, sides to the pandemic um, would be, I think, recognizing that there are some of us who are privileged enough to work from home. And so they can potentially repurpose their time so that they can spend it on maybe um, enjoying their time with more loved ones or um, focusing on self-care. Um, working from home also gives people a little more autonomy, right? If they are usually in an environment where they're being micromanaged, um, this gives them a little more breathing room, which is going to help them in their mental health. The pandemic has also allowed us to hear from um, some of Canada's top um, women in the uh, health sector, such as um, Dr. Bonnie Henry and Dr. Teresa Tam. So I think that's awesome. Um, as far as in the future, I think the pandemic um, has allowed people to be a little more empathetic on what, it, uh, on some of the challenges that women face when they are working from home and they are also a parent. It also al allows employers to be more open to employees who want to work virtually and um, it will give them potentially more autonomy and flexibility when they are working from home. It's also, um, the pandemic has, I think, also shed some light on the need for race-based data to show how Black, Indigenous, and people of color have been impacted disproportionately in many areas. So I'm hoping that it's like, okay, yeah, we actually need to <laughs> collect this race-based data, right? Disaggregated for sure, right? Data. Yeah, sort of like push everybody in the right direction. I know I was uh, in one of my classes the other day, there's a disclaimer because lots of my classes aren't live anymore. They're all pre-recorded. Um, and one of my profs was like, yeah, for the, for the individuals that have children at home or have jobs, like we know that you can't necessarily make it to some lectures. And it, it kind of just made me laugh because I was like, there has always been people who are parenting and going to school and it was always, well, you need to attend or you're going to be penalized for it. Um, and I think it's interesting that now that it's online, people are like being a bit more um, adaptable in those situations. And so I definitely hope it kind of like <laughs> continues, even if we end up 
back in person, um, that sort of respect for people's individual like life situations. Um, Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head because, you know, even whether it is someone who is a, a parent or someone who's maybe um, looking after aging parents, right? These are all some of the real challenges that people go through every day and then insert pandemic and it's all of a sudden like, oh, okay, like, okay, now I'm working from home. Oh, now, now I have to take on this additional responsibility that I didn't necessarily have to worry about before, right? So I'm, I'm hoping for a lot more compassion um, in, in those areas so that when um, things return to normal, I don't know if that's gonna Maybe. <laughs> I really, my, my hope is really and truly that people come out of this with a lot more compassion for others, for humanity, right? Yeah, it's definitely, it's interesting having something that affects everyone so, so broadly. Um, yeah. It's kind of leveled the playing ground in, in certain Yeah, areas. which is interesting to be able to like live through that. Um, sort of like living in a social experiment right now, which yeah, is <laughs> interesting, weird, fun, you know, <laughs> overwhelming. It's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah, like new every day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, so we only have a few questions left here, sort of lighter ones to finish off with. Um, so where do you find inspiration? Um, I know you inspire a lot of other people. So where does that come for, from for you? I find inspiration almost everywhere, um, to be honest, um, whether it is from um, just, I'm inspired by like, right now we have fresh, clean air. Like, you know, we, we had to live through a lot of smoke over the last week, right? And I'm inspired that, yeah, I can open my window and yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm really inspired by, by the, um, the younger generation when I see them out there and standing up for what is right when we think about humanity. I'm truly inspired by them. I'm inspired by people who have been doing this work for decades and working tirelessly and they're continuing and they're quietly just working alongside because this is what they've been doing. That's truly inspiring for me. So I think I find inspiration in little pockets here, there, and everywhere. Mm -hmm. Which is great, because then it's always around. You just have to look for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then what would you say are sort of your next steps um, in your more like social justice work, in your career, uh, just in general? For sure. So I think that we need to increase the um, resources and support and the conversations to eradicate um, anti-Black racism and, well, racism in general, but definitely anti-Black racism when I think about the Congress. And we need to focus on our mandate for, um, for, the, for the Congress. We also need to figure out how we're going to pivot to continuing to reach our community members during this um, pandemic and also think about how we can continue to move forward um, towards this liberation that we're fighting for. That's, that's truly, I think, some of the big things as I'm looking forward um, for the Congress, we actually have our AGM coming up on Saturday, so we're going oh, to be. Exciting. Yeah, we're 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 looking at how do we do Black History Month, right? During during a pandemic, because normally our our events are in person, we do a lot of fundraisers, and so we really need to reflect on what what do we do moving forward? How do we 
stay connected with our community and support our community. Yeah, I definitely think creativity has been the key of this last little bit. Um, but yeah, that was sort of all of our questions. And I really do appreciate that you took the time to speak with us today and answered all those questions beautifully. Um, and so is there any like last messages that you'd like to leave off with or any other topics you'd like to address before we head off? Um, nothing too major. I just, I guess, I think it, what you all are doing is wonderful. I think this is a great project. I think it's important for women and female identifying people to really um, have their voices elevated and amplified because we are doing some great work and we are still not at level playing fields, right? So I think that this is a great project. I'm so honored to be a part of it and I'm excited to, to see how it continues to unfold. Um, you all are doing a great job, so thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's been super exciting and hearing everybody's stories, I'm just so... Where do I find inspiration? From these talks. Um, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, again, really do appreciate it. And I will let you know when it goes up. Um, and if you ever need uh, us for some reason, <laughs> even just spreading the word or sharing events, let us know. We're here to help. Wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Madeline. Thank you as well. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.